Those words are easy to sing and harder sometimes to apply to our lives, aren't they? All I have needed, your hand has provided. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? Sometimes we are tempted to despair and to panic and to give in to various anxieties of life when always the Lord is inviting you to come back and meditate on His great providence. He has never let you down. He has never failed you. His foot does not slip. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. We're going to be reminded of that this morning as we look together to Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 to 21. As we read together, we do so as an act of worship. This is God's word. It is God-breathed, inspired, and infallible, and inerrant in everything that it says. Let's give attention to it now. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our Father, that you love us with a very great love. It is an unchanging and an unwavering sort of love, a love that has been demonstrated to us powerfully in the death and the burial and resurrection of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you this morning admitting that our sins are many, our needs are many, and that they are all met in Christ Jesus. Would you please help us to remember this today and teach us by it. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Preparing for the future, especially retirement, is one of those things that occupies a whole lot of our time, isn't it? Now maybe you've been called upon by a certain man or woman who asks you questions like these. Are you properly diversified? Is your portfolio risk averse? Are you invested in the right kind of real estate? Are you not invested in the wrong kind of real estate? You need to sell that. Um, what if the market crashes? Are you prepared for that? What if Bitcoin bites the dust? Are you prepared for that? What will you do? And some of you spend hours, perhaps days and nights, meditating on these things, thinking about them. Uh, maybe you have from time to time, woken up in a cold sweat, thinking, I should have sold that Microsoft stock yesterday. In 2009, the real estate market and real estate banking tanked. I had very good friends in their 60s and 70s who had their entire portfolio wrapped up into one or two types of stocks. And overnight, their retirement evaporated. And they found themselves, rather than thinking about retirement on the beach, now thinking about 20 more years of labor. They had to keep working. We wonder about Social Security, don't we? Or do we? 
I used to get Social Security statements saying if you retired or if you died or something happens to you, your spouse will get this amount of money. I don't think I've gotten one of those in a long time. Will it be there? Is there a better investment? Is there a better investment? That's the question that Jesus poses to you this morning. Is there a better investment? Are you thinking about the right investments? As we look at Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21, the, the argument that Christ puts before you is that you ought to be using your earthly resources to be obtaining heavenly rewards, heavenly treasures, where your investment is protected from the effects of the fall. You ought to be using your earthly resources to obtain heavenly treasures where your investment is protected from the effects of the fall. Now, as we get to this point, we, we remember that what Jesus is saying here is part of a broader argument. It's part of a broader sermon. Now, we've just come through that section where Jesus has reminded us that if you give to the poor, don't give in a way that other men can see you, but remember to give in such a way that honors God. He sees what you do. If you pray, go into your closet where men can't see you. Don't pray for the honor of men. Don't pray for the respect of men. Pray for the glory of God. And when you fast, anoint your head. Put on a smile and fast for the glory of God. How is it though? How, how do men give money by almsgiving? How do they sacrifice time in prayer? How do men sacrifice food in fasting? How do we do that? What's the point? Why would you consider making those sacrifices of, at all? The answer is pretty simple. You are living for the life that is to come. You can give away money. You can give away time. And you can give away food. Because you are not storing up for this life only. Jesus teaches this principle in three sayings in verses 19 to 24. The first one is on treasure, the second one is on the eye, and the third one is on slavery. And we will consider these in consecutive Sundays. This morning we're thinking about treasure, and the first thing that Jesus shows you in verse 19 is that earthly treasure is bound to fail. Earthly treasures will fail. Notice with me again verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He begins here with a command. We've encountered commands at various places throughout his sermon here and here we have another. We might literally translate this, uh, this phrase as stop. Stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. Literally, he says, do not treasure up 
treasures on earth. And a couple things that we can think about there. First of all, what is a treasure? What does Jesus mean by a treasure? What is that? I think as we study the context here, what we can conclude is that a treasure is something that you store up or you set aside for a future use. When Jesus refers to treasures here, he's thinking of something that you set aside for a future use. So in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, we find that some men are storing up wrath. Some men are storing up wrath for themselves in the day of judgment. They live their lives in such a way, in such open rebellion to the Lord Jesus Christ that they've got their vault here uh, uh, in their home and they are storing up wrath for themselves in the day of judgment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, Paul reminds us that children do not store up for their parents, but parents store up for their Children, you remember that this was the, uh, the, the frustration for the writer of Ecclesiastes, that you store up for yourself and wicked men come and they spend everything that you have saved. So treasure is something that you store up. You set it aside for a future use. And naturally then, what you store for the future needs to be safe. It must be secure. When you rent Uh, your safe deposit box down at the bank and they give you a key, you expect that it's going to be safe. When you put your money in the bank, you expect that they're going to be able to protect it. That if someone breaks in and tries to take it away, that it will be protected. Now there's emphasis, right, in the digital world on protection from those who try to hack into your account and take your money away. You want your money to be safe. And if you know of a bank that's been broken into, that's been compromised, you naturally take your money out of that bank and you move it somewhere else. If you find out about fraud in the investment world, you take your money out of that investment and put it somewhere else. Probably no one in here is invested in Enron anymore. But there are a couple of fundamental Factors that we have to think about when we invest our earthly treasures in this world. When we're setting aside for the future. What I think we ought to to notice that Jesus does acknowledge that there are certain things as earthly treasures. This is not an argument for us to treat the earth or our future like it's just a throwaway. There are earthly treasures. But as we think of earthly treasures, we need to think about the fact that they are subject to the breakdown of the fall. When you think about your investment portfolio, when you think about setting aside for the future and planning for your future life, you have to be confronted by one uh, major fact. You live in a fallen world. So in the first place... Everything that you invest here, every hope that you have for your future life on this earth is subject to the fall. Notice that Jesus said, moth and rust destroy. 
So the first thing that we remember is that the fall has introduced a natural decay. Your investment will be uh, harmed by the natural decay. The natural elements are set against you. Now, remember that he's speaking uh, to a culture in which banking was in its very rudimentary form. In fact, you probably only put your money in a bank if you were uh, in the most elite part of society. And even then, if you were geographically located within a major metropolitan area, other than that, you didn't really know about banks. You didn't have a relationship with one. So what do you do with your money? Well, maybe you bury it in the ground inside your home. You put it somewhere that you think it's going to be safe and secure from the elements. But Jesus reminded the people, listen, the things that you invest, they are subject to moth and rust. Literally, the idea here, the the word rust is sort of supplied. Uh, The word is eating. It's a, a meal or food. In other words, the things that you invest are going to be eaten away until they become finally invisible. Remember the words as we go back just for a moment to Genesis chapter 3. This is an aspect of the curse of the fall. Adam was told, the earth will in some sense be set against you now. Genesis 3.17. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, literally by the anger of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. As we think about preparing for the future here, remember that every, every bit of sweat and toil that you put into working for the future is subject to the decay of the natural elements. Systems fail. Things go bad. The the other aspect of the fall that you are subject to is the depravity of men. Notice what he said. Not only are you subject to decay where moth and rust destroy, but thieves are going to try to break in and steal what you've put aside. Depraved men are going to try to take it away from you. You are subject to sin. And many of you remember, just uh, seems like just a few years ago, a man by the name of Bernie Madoff. You remember that name? Uh, Bernie Madoff came to individual investors and said, I have got the deal of a lifetime for you. And men were putting millions upon millions of dollars into Bernie Madoff's uh, investment schemes. And then one day, Bernie Madoff was arrested by the FBI, thrown into prison, and men found out that they didn't have millions of dollars in investment. They had nothing. Do you know that everything you are investing today for the future is subject to depraved men? Depraved men are sitting on the board of Merrill Lynch. who, if they were given the opportunity, would steal everything that you have. When I was in South Carolina, 
we interacted with illegal immigrants. These illegal Im immigrants, many of them had been brought here as children, they had false social security cards, and they were working for employers who, listen, knew that they were employing illegal immigrants, and so what did they do? If they wanted to pay them, they would. If they didn't want to pay them, they wouldn't. Who cares? What are you going to do about it? Depraved men will seek to take what you have, and moth and rust will destroy it. Literally, the idea here is when they break in and steal, it's, it's digging through. You, you've got a, a home that's built with mud walls, and literally men will try to dig into your home or perhaps dig out of the ground everything that you have set aside. Jesus is reminding you that you are subject to these things. But not all investments fail. Not all investments are subject to the effects of the fall. Did you know that? There is a way for you to invest your money in a way that is totally secure. And I'm not Bernie Madoff. Jesus reminds us in verse 20 that even though earthly treasures are subject to failure, heavenly treasures will not fail. Read with me verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And Jesus advises his disciples here that there is a place where investments are 100% secure. He reminds us that heaven has not been affected by the fall. In heaven, your investment cannot be eaten by moths. In heaven, thieves cannot break into your home. They cannot dig through your wall and take what you have. It cannot be stolen by wicked men. So we think of the words that Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is, listen to this, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, Peter reminds us that there is an inheritance awaiting you in heaven that is undefiled, it is imperishable, and it is unfading. The interest rate in heaven never changes. The Heavenly Federal Reserve Board is not going to meet next week and determine what the Fed funds rate will be. It is constant. It is secure. But we think now, just for a second, I know what earthly treasures are. I can relate to money. I can relate maybe to a nice wardrobe. Everything that I've invested money in that's subject to a, a, a strong winter storm and pipes breaking. All of these things. But what is heavenly treasure? I can't touch it, I can't feel it, I can't look at it on a balance sheet. Well, there are a few clues in 
Scripture. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden (coughs) all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You hear that. This language of wealth and prosperity is assigned to wisdom and knowledge. You hear the writer of Proverbs, don't you, saying to his young son, if you can get one thing, my son, get condo investments. If you can get one thing, my son, it's crude oil. If you can get one thing, my son, get wisdom. What is that? The fear of the Lord. Here are the riches. Assurance. Assurance of your salvation. Assurance of your eternal destination. That that is an earthly treasure. Knowing full well that you are in Christ as you began to study this morning. Listen to Job 28, 12-13. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not, listen, man does not know its worth. Wisdom. And it is not found in the land of the living. Scripture also tells us that there's another great treasure for men in this life that is heavenly. It is the reproach of Jesus Christ. We learn from Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting of sin. And listen to this. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. If Egypt's assets were on a balance sheet and the reproach of Jesus Christ was on a balance sheet, The wealthier balance sheet is the man who is reproached for the name of Jesus Christ. This is heavenly wealth. If you see that, it indicates that you see with spiritual eyes. We we learn as well, not only do we find wisdom and knowledge, understanding Christ, being united to Him, assurance of our salvation, God's Word is a treasure. Proverbs chapter 7, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. This is it. We, we, we indicate that God's word is a treasure to us, a heavenly treasure. We hide it in our hearts. 
We love it. We read it. We meditate on it. But what is our great treasure? Our great treasure is Christ Himself. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do you see... Paul, Paul's heart is so set on Christ that he wants to be conformed to his likeness in every possible way. I want to endure his sufferings. I want to be counted among those who are reproached for his name's sake. Why? Because he has my heart. The thinking of Jesus' instruction on almsgiving and prayer and fasting, it all makes sense in this light. How can you give away your money to the poor on Monday and knowing that on Tuesday the man is still going to be poor? How can you give away your time in prayer? Precious time. Precious time that you could spend planning, preparing, Because every time you do so, you are investing in eternity. Your Father sees all that you do and is storing up a reward for you in heaven. There is a real transaction that takes place every time you give your money away sacrificially. Every time you go to the Lord in prayer. Every time you seek Him in fasting. There is a real heavenly transaction that takes place. He sees you and will reward you. From an earthly perspective, these practices look foolish. But from an eternal perspective, they are full of wisdom. What's the conclusion then? What's the, the final point? What do we take away from this? Thirdly, then Jesus instructs us to seek heavenly treasure. Seek it. Pour yourself into it. He's given us the obvious argument. If you can invest in a place subject to decay and theft or a place not subject to those things, which will you choose? If you can invest in Enron or in Apple, which will you choose? 
If you can invest in a place that is broken down and subject to decay, or you can invest in one that isn't, which one will you choose? The answer is obvious. No sane man would say, I'll take the broken down one with the thieves. If we look at your life, which one are you choosing? Are you spending your resources to lay up treasure on earth or in heaven? Jesus says then, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You think about your treasure. You make plans to protect your treasure. You coordinate to make your treasure safe. You labor to build more treasure. And so the question is where is your treasure? We sing in Be Thou My Vision, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, ruler of heaven, my treasure thou art. Isn't it interesting? Jesus returns us here to an inspection of the heart. Just as sin is to be found in the heart, all sin originates here in me, in my desires, my wanting, and my thinking. So devotion to Christ is a matter of the heart. Heavenly treasure is spiritually discerned. In just a few uh, weeks probably, you're going to get a giving statement. That is not an indication of your heavenly treasure level. The natural man cannot receive this truth, therefore. He cannot live by it because he's not ruled by Christ through his Holy Spirit. And so when you think about this truth, the first thing to pray for is that Christ would deliver you from bondage to worldly cares. You must pray that he would enable you to treasure eternity above the earthly. This is a matter of the heart. And so two things can be true. One, you can, listen, you can divest yourself of all of the world's goods. You, you could go away from this sermon and say, honey, we need to sell the house. We're going to live in a dirt hut and we're going to give all of our money to the poor. Listen, you can do all of those things and still not be devoted to Christ. You can do all of those things and your heart is still as hard and as sinful and as self-absorbed as it is right now. Another thing is true. That you can be rich in this life and be totally devoted to Christ. External appearance does not reveal the heart. And now I'm going to channel for just a moment Oprah Winfrey and ask you some hard-hitting questions. There are many who attend Sunday morning and never again. They don't attend other ministries. They have no intention of serving in the church. Why? 
Perhaps because your life is consumed with earthly treasures. How many families are so devoted to sports that they will disregard church to go to a soccer tournament or a gymnastics meet? Where is your treasure? You have made that sacrifice of time, and what do you show for it? When I was in the bank, I remember having a conversation with a young lady by the name of Kathleen, and I told Kathleen I had four children, and there often was this astonishment, how do you keep up with four children, how do you do that kind of a thing, and Kathleen was a young lady who was somewhat typical, hell-bent on a career And I reminded Kathleen, you're going to sacrifice your time and your money for something in this life. Right now, your trajectory is you're going to sacrifice your time and your money pursuing a career at this particular bank, you want to be in the head of, you want to be on a, in the C-suite, you want to be an executive level director or whatever it might be. And what's going to happen is you're going to spend all of this time, you're going to sacrifice a family, you're going to put aside maybe even marriage, you're going to do all of these things, and you're going to get to be 60 years old. And the CEO of the bank is going to send out an email saying, guess what, we're going to have to lay off all of our executive staff. That's what Jesus is saying to you. You're going to sacrifice for something in this life. Jesus Jesus is instructing you to make those sacrifices for something that counts for eternity. Use your earthly resources to obtain heavenly treasures where your investment is protected from the effects of the fall. Let's pray. Lord, in heaven, we thank you so much for the great treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we deserve in this life is this life full of its pain and anxiety, full of its wants and not having, full of empty prayers that achieve nothing, That's what we deserve. To go on getting, 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 and and never achieving anything. Father, he asks that you would help us to reorient our heart. Set our hearts on you, Lord. Cause the Lord Jesus Christ to be our great treasure, to be that pearl of great price, that we will sell everything to get Him. Our hearts are so easily encumbered, Lord, by balance sheets and income statements. Thinking about our current position and where we need to be, help us to remember, Lord, that we we are Your people. We are in Your hands. And that what is awaiting us in eternity cannot be taken away. Lord, give us that assurance. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.